welcome to the Knock On, Scoreline.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Stephen Byrne and over the next while we're going to talk to former Leinster captain Chris Pym. On this show we talk about Leinster's Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinal win over Exeter and look ahead to the semi-final against Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle. We talk about the Irish women team's hammering of Wales in their opening game in the Six Nations. There's tons of comings and goings with contracts in Leinster and Munster have brought back Simon Zebo. We discussed that. We talk about the Lions coaching appointments, nominations for European Player of the Year and Leinster going to trial antigen tests to bring supporters back to the RDS. Good, thank you. Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, end of a good week. So yeah. Uh, good week for rugby, good week for Leinster anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very, very happy. We'll start with that win over Exeter, Chris. We were talking here last week about how difficult potentially it was going to be. It was away in Sandy Park. Exeter are abrasive. They've been playing great rugby. They're very consistent. They're the defending champions and the defending premiership champions as well. We went 14-0 down after 10 minutes. My head dropped. Yeah. <laughs> The one, thing I said, the one thing I said we didn't need to do, if we could get a good start and get into the game early, we'd be fine. But whatever we wanted to do, we didn't want to uh, give them a lead that they could close the game down. So there we go. Shows how much I know. But yeah, absolutely sensational. I mean, they went, they literally were under the cosh after 15 minutes. And this was, you were staring down the barrel. I was like, oh my God. But um, absolutely Superb performance to get themselves back in the game and then got themselves back in the game. And then the next thing, they lose their talisman captain who uh, who goes off injured. And we never missed a beat. Uh, I thought Byrne came in and literally never put a step foot wrong. He was really, really excellent. And uh, they were never in the game, to be honest, once we scored. Um, it was quite extraordinary. And, you know, if Laurie or Rory Lachlan could have got that try at the end, it would have been looking at a 40-pointer. So, yeah, absolutely outstanding performance. And I think, as we discussed last week, I was really, really worried about it. I thought we were, uh, it was going to be an extremely difficult fixture. But, no, we saw them away like they were a bunch of third division or something. It was, it was just a really, really excellent performance from start to finish. And, you know, there's no doubt... One of the standouts for me was uh, Josh van der Fleer, who I've never been his biggest fan. We've had this conversation here, but his ball carrying, which I think was the the bit that he really needed to work on. Oh, my God, he's just gone away and he's making yards every time he carries. So, I mean, his stats for the last three European games have just been off the charts. His tackling, tackle count has always been good, but yeah, his ball carrying and stuff really, really impacted the weekend. So, yeah, him and a good few others, but excellent performance. Chris, what was it? What did we do to beat them? What did we do really well, um, apart from play well? But what was the key to that victory against Exeter for people that, you know, they're not as familiar with the nuances of rugby? Um, You know, you hear these words, you know, big physical team, physical presence, one up front and all that sort of stuff. How did Leinster beat Exeter? With, they were just incredibly clinical, but at, at the side of that were just incredibly powerful. So when they carried, they always went, went across the gain line. When they set up rock ball, it was two-second rock ball or less. It was really, really quick ball. So that meant that uh, Exeter never had time to 
get their defensive line into position that they can make the big hits and drive people back. So we were getting across the gain line the whole time. And when we were getting across the gain line, it was bang, bang, bang. Really, really quick ball. McGraw was there every time, or if he wasn't, there was a forward able slot in and just keep the ball moving. So, and we were just incredible. Despite that, we're incredibly accurate in everything they did. So the pass is a yard in front of you, so the guy's running onto it. You know, you're not reaching behind you to get the ball. And, you know, it was those sorts of things, just accuracy, 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 which Stuart Lancaster is just goes on and on about. But it is absolutely what's made the difference because they're not bigger, stronger, faster, you know. That was a really, really good exercise with a huge amount of experience. But we were just better at playing the game, as in, you know, doing the simple things really, really well. And then when we got on top, we just continued to put them under pressure on their own ball. And, you know, Baird came on and won two line X against the head straight away. I mean, it was just massive. You guys coming off the bench like that, making an impact like that. Um, it just really, really seals the deal for you, you know. And to be honest, once we scored the first time, we never really looked. They were never really in the game after that. Just totally dominate the ball, kept the ball. So they couldn't play if they didn't have the ball. And when we did kick, we kicked really, really intelligently. So, yeah, look, just an absolutely outstandingly good performance. Yeah, and you, you touched on it there as well. The bench was crucial, and Ross Byrne came mm. on. It was great. But the props and everything, the, the scrum never picked up where it left off. We put huge yeah. pressure on their scrum, and the continuity is so important. Yeah, absolutely. That's the difference, you know, that every pass is so accurate that you guys aren't looking behind them to catch the ball or stretch to get the ball. It's absolutely in the, you know, in the hot zone, and they're, they're banging onto the ball. So, yeah, look, really, really impressive performance. And, yeah, look, fantastic to see them. And they've set up a very intriguing fixture with La Rochelle. Yeah. On the, is it 2nd of May? So, yeah, looks fantastic. And of a couple of weeks to get ready for it as well, Chris. Um, and yeah, a week off and then a li- nice little gentle run out against Monster. So <laughs> that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and you talked about it there about how Leinster beat Exeter this um, keeping the ball alive, starving Exeter of possession. La Rochelle love the ball in hand. They love keeping it alive. They've got this quick old Leinster Joe Schmidt style New Zealand. Throw the ball, keep the ball alive. Throw, you know, a basketball pass out the back. Just keep the ball and yeah. keep moving forward. Leinster's tactic against La Rochelle, Chris, is basically don't give them the ball and starve. Correct. Them. Absolutely, yeah. starve them of possession. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, you're right. And both sides say both sides will be trying to play the same thing. And actually, heard Ergara interview the other day, and he goes on about this KBA, KBA, keep the ball alive, keep the ball alive. So, um, you know, that's absolutely, you can see them starting to play that way and started getting into Roger's mindset of how he wants the game played. And I think we discussed last week as well that, you know, he's saying that they're very much on a journey. They're nowhere near where he would like them to be or sees them going to be. It'll be another year or two before they get there. So that's fantastic news for any La Rochelle fans, but... Hopefully we'll be catching them early enough in their journey that 
we can turn them over. So yeah, really, really intriguing game. Boss, um, yeah, look, fingers crossed we'll do a job, but we, we'll worry about that in a couple of weeks' time when we see who's who's still standing. Absolutely. Um, so that, that was nicely done as well. And just to tie in a point with that really, Chris, just uh, before we move on, off the back of that, you had a couple of Leinster lads nominated for European Player of the Year. This is how it works. So you're into the last four teams and they pick four players from each team. And obviously, if Leinster win the Champions Cup, it'll be one of those guys. And you have Robbie Henshaw, Tyke Furlong, Josh Van der Fleer, and Hugo Keenan all uh, deservingly on that list as well. Yeah, no question about that. They've been uh, they've been absolutely sensational, the four of them. So I think it's uh, credit to all of them. There's none of them that you would uh, complain about getting on that list. That's for sure. Yeah, they've been four of them been excellent. You could probably throw in another four without looking too hard. But yeah, fantastic. And let's say another couple of weeks to go. We'll see who comes out the winner there. Absolutely. I mean, we have to talk about Ulster as well. They're going to play Leicester in their semi-final of the Challenge Cup. So their hard work this season and their development has been rewarded as well. Um, a, a pretty a, a bit of a, an arm wrestle of a match as well, their quarter-final, but they got out on top against Northampton and, uh, you know, on to Leicester Tigers. And uh, yeah. they're looking well. They're, they're yeah, no, they really did. Well. I actually saw the game and they did. They kind of huffed and puffed a little bit and I thought halfway through the second half they were going to throw it away. But they, because uh, they, they all, they looked the better side the whole way yeah. through. But a bit, I suppose the difference between them and Leinster is that they just don't have, they have some beautiful broken field runners, but they just don't have the accuracy that Leinster have, particularly in the, in the back line. Um, but certainly Balakoon and Hume and obviously Stockdale, you know, there's some serious game breakers there. If they can just get their, you know, their shape wouldn't be quite as good as Ulster's or wouldn't be as good as Leinster's either. But uh, look, they're in a semi now. I don't think there's anything in Leicester they'd be particularly afraid of. So, yeah, look, I give them a great chance. Chris, moving on to uh, women's rugby as well. The Six Nations got underway at the weekend. Um, you know, after all the chat that it could be cancelled and there's all sorts of things going on, it's been pushed back later in the calendar. Um, Ireland had only played two matches, competitive matches in 14 months. Um, they go to Cardiff, to the Cardiff Arms Park, and they hammer Wales 45-0. Megan Parsons was absolutely fantastic on the day as well. What a start. Yeah, look, absolutely sensational. Megan. And, um, you know, they took every chance they got. They were absolutely coasting at half time and probably just took their foot off the gas a little bit. But I mean, yeah, look, they've set up what looks like an intriguing fixture against uh, France this weekend. So, um, yeah, look, it, looking really great. So bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic stuff as well. Um, and we were talking about it, I think, was it myself and yourself. I was talking to Des Kavanagh, actually, interviewed him on the show last weekend, the IRFU president, of course, Carlo Mann as well. He says the new facilities that they have, um, that our, the Irish rugby team have, the new indoor training facility as well, has really added that extra layer um, to their preparations as well. You know, good or bad weather, you can go inside and practice on the half pitch inside and all that stuff. Yeah. It just all bodes well as well. Um, um, for the sides and I think with the preparation for the, the women's six nations they felt because they were 
they hadn't had much competitive game time that they might be undercooked going into it. That was all the chat during the week, but uh, they had not that they were overtrained, but they, they certainly were prepared well enough for that Wales match, and that was that was great to see, you know. And it'll obviously give them a huge amount of confidence too. That okay, yeah. we went yeah. in there, we weren't half cooked or undercooked going in. We were actually better prepared than we thought. Yeah, no, absolutely, and say it gives them great confidence for uh, the next game against France. So, yeah, look, fingers crossed they can stay on that trajectory. But um, yeah, brilliant, delighted for them. Um, the uh, the wheels of business have been turning uh, this week, Chris, in Leinster, Munster, and, and else, elsewhere. I've got a list as long as my arm, Leinster. Um, uh, I've had a great job this week of trying to drip feed out the different comings and goings as well but I'll start yeah. in the order to have the list here so Nick McCarthy people might remember him uh, Leinster scrum half out of the academy left he went to Munster two years and he's back um, so Nick returns to the fold as well this year um, so more more scrum half options there as well even though Leinster have quite a lot of uh, lads there and lads ready to go you have two uh, potential internationals in Jameson Gibson Park and uh, Luke um, but it all depends on whether they're selected or not as well but you've Nick there as well and you've a couple of other fellas um, yeah it's going to be hard to find game time for some of these lads particularly in that position because there's plenty of yeah them. slightly strange I'm not quite sure what's yeah. going on in the background there because Nick went to Munster hasn't really played a lot of rugby and hasn't got a, got a lot of game time and Nick is coming back to Munster uh, Leinster while Rowan Osborne is going to Munster which I thought Rowan was comfortably the number three possibly better but in Leinster now and he's probably going to go to well he's definitely going to go to Munster where he'll be number three there as well so I'm not quite sure what's what's going on there but um I suppose Conor Murray and Craig Casey will both be in the international setup. I mean, Luke is kind of out of the loop at the moment, but he's possibly playing the rugby of his life. So it's, um, yeah, the whole scrum half thing is a little bit weird. And uh, I'm not quite sure. There's some strange business going on there with Nick and um, with Rowan kind of swapping, swapping provinces there. So, not quite sure. I haven't got my head around that one. Yeah, that's it is. It's a strange one. Um, Tommy O'Donnell has announced his retirement. I, I didn't realise until I read the article that he was in well into his 30s. I thought he was much younger. <laughs> Just an assumption yeah. I had as well. So I was a bit surprised to see that. But yeah, that's a bit of a loss for Munster, of course, in the back row again, you know, following uh, after CJ Stander. Yeah, no, and he's been a great soldier for Munster, to be fair, and probably a little bit, inter- a little bit unlucky in international level. But he has, um, he's had quite a few injuries and stuff. So I'd say his body's screaming at him a little bit to, to give him a bit of a break. So and I know he struggled this year as well, and obviously with um, with Coombs coming through there as well, his opportunities are probably going to be less and less as time moves on. So I'd say Munster probably. Uh, Helped him make the decision there as well, with obviously with um, with Peter O'Mahony getting his two-year deal as well. So just not sure how much Peter O'Mahony will be involved in the Irish setup going forward, even though they've given him an Irish contract. And that will so if he doesn't, given 
what we have at open sides in Leinster, you'd wonder Tommy may struggle for game time in Leinster, in Munster, where he has struggled this year along with getting game time, um, obviously with injury as well. So, yeah, good player, uh, great, great career. He can certainly go out with his head, head held high. Yeah, it goes back to our point on previous episodes. Just, and we'll talk about it more in depth now in a second, about Simon Zebo's one-year contract. But Peter getting two with the IRFU is still a great piece of business, considering the yeah. one-year deals that are being handed out and everything else yeah. at the moment. It's all a bit mad. But a fair play to him. Um, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's still worth... Um, he's he's a great player. Peter is and a huge servant to Ireland and Munster as well, and lots still left in the tank for him too. Um, Leinster signing Samoa prop Michael Alalatoa as well from the Crusaders. Uh, I've I heard of, of him briefly, bits and pieces, and I went digging during the week. Wow, he's a uh, he's, he's good with stuff. Oh, he is pretty handy. He's good with stuff. Yeah. yeah, I've seen most of the. Um... New Zealand Super Rugby stuff it kind of ties in with my early morning um, I, I stick them up on the rower there when I'm doing a bit of training but um, they uh, yeah look he's a good bit of stuff that's a good bit of business and uh, certainly doesn't leave them weak in the uh, in the tight head area given that they have Tig and Porter there as well I suppose some of the conversation has been with uh, Kean Healy coming maybe towards the end of whether they'd look at switching uh, Porter back to Loosehead. So, yeah, look, we'll see what happens there. But it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly, I think it's a good bit of business. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. He'll be, he, and he's a, he's a, an award, he's not an award winner, but he's a trophy, a trophy and a cup winner with his club as well. So he's, he's plenty of experience, but he'll be probably the go-to guy for the Pro 14 um, yeah. You know, you're starting uh, prop or you're starting tight head there as well. You've got the likes of Tom Clarkson, who's signed as well, um, waiting yeah. in the wings. But there's probably too much of a gulf between the two internationals down yeah. to Tom Clarkson. So probably, yeah. that's where Michael comes in as well. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of talk about... Um, him, um, of uh, the Irish props, so you've Keane, Keane Healy, like you've the depth charts on both sides and tight head and loose head. You've Keane Healy, yeah. um, you've a couple of guys on that side. Um, Michael Bent obviously must be leaving then at the end of the season. It would know. look that way, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, with the with the trophy lift and all that sort of stuff as well. And Scott Fardy was exactly. there too. Yeah. Devin Toner yeah. uh, hasn't a contract yet, but I think he'll probably they'll probably keep him. Um, he'll probably get another year or two contract, definitely a year anyway. It's not announced yet, but we're probably expecting him to be. Uh, we're we're into. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they don't give him another one. I mean, the other the uh, Red Nash can say that he'd be quite happy to go away and play a year or two away if if Leinster don't come back. But his preferred option was to stay. So yeah, I'd be surprised if they don't yeah. give him a one year. Particularly, he'd get loads of Pro Fourteen rugby. So, yeah. um, and yeah, look. Oh, I would be optimistic as well that they give him something. This this show is recorded on a Thursday, so there's every chance he's being signed by the time you hear this. Um, so we'll just put yeah. that disclaimer in there as well. Um, yeah. can, can you see Porter moving to loose head? Is that a realistic prospect? Do you think? Um, well, if I was Porter and I had tied Furlong ahead of me, um, given how good he has been this year. He's, it's definitely an option. Um, I would imagine tight head 
is harder. Well, I wouldn't say tied as hard as learn, but because he'd born and bred a loose head, to move back to loose head would be less of a stretch than yeah. trying to convert him into a new tight head now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where he's done the hard yards as a loose head, he's done the hard yards as a tight head. So to move across, look, and I'm not a prop, don't get me wrong here. I don't really understand the machinations, but certainly um, I would have thought he, he, if as regards playing rugby and playing, you know, at the highest level, it would be advantageous for him to maybe look at loose head in certainly in a year or two. I mean, sure, Kean thinks he's another year or two in him. So it'd be really interesting to see what happens with the Lions. I'd be optimistic that he'll go on the Lions tour as a tight head. So um, the two of them then will obviously be fighting for that spot. But I think the other thing about going on the Lions tour is that as a bench option, I know you have two props on the bench now, but he does give you a little bit more uh, flexibility in, in the event of a crisis. So I think, you know, he does certainly do that to him. But yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, I think it's, you know, Joe Schmidt or used to say it was all about getting your best players on the pitch. And, you know, if that means accommodating a lad maybe slightly out of position, but getting them on the pitch, well, then that's a, a price worth paying. Absolutely. And there's a good bit of depth on that loose head side as well. Keane Healy, Yves Dooley, Ed Byrne. Yeah. Yeah, it's busy enough on that side as well. So there's plenty, plenty of competition there. Um, so, yeah, so Michael Alalatoa, looking forward to seeing him uh, landing as well. The big news of the week, of course, was Simon Zebo is back yeah. at Munster. He's a one-year deal, partly funded by the IRFU. Um, Racing 92 weren't going to renew his contract. So, yeah, he's back. Um, there's mixed reaction to it. I know, I know what the Leinster people are saying. You know, there's a bit of slagging going on there as well. But there's, a lot, there's, there's people on both sides of it, Chris. Um, there's people, there's Munster fans I've been reading going, okay, great to see him back, but we, we probably need a proper two as a priority as opposed to another winger or a full back that we sort of already have with Haley and Conway and those sort of fellas as well. I don't know where, what do you, <laughs> where do you lie? Yeah, in all of it? I am. Um, yeah. I was a little surprised to be honest, uh, particularly the fact that the IRFU part funded it. So yeah. does that mean that um, Farrell will look at them again? I mean, he wasn't, an overly popular choice for Joe Schmidt. Joe and him maybe didn't set it off the one. Uh, Zebo would have been a bit loosey goosey for Joe's Joe's method. So um, it'd be interesting to see if Farrell would look at him again, given that he'll be thirty-one or whatever uh, next season. So, but I mean, there isn't given the way. Hugo Keenan is going, it'd be very hard to see him getting slotted back in there now. And obviously their second choice preference up to this was Stockdale. But look, I mean, he's certainly a marquee player. He certainly brings the crowd out. Um, he'll add a bit of entertainment to and razzmatazz to the whole uh, monster setup, which is probably a good thing and is yeah. no harm. So, but yeah, I would imagine... Um, although he says that every time he's interviewed that he'd love to play for Ireland again, I would imagine that ship has probably sailed. 
Yeah, it's 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 a it's a funny one. Like you said, the IRFU have part funded it, so my thoughts is okay. They're gonna almost feel like they have to pay him because they're paying him. Um, but then you've got Larmer, Stockdale, Key Darls, Hugo Keenan, yeah, um, and all those guys on both sides. Uh, James Lowe um, on those sides as yeah. well. And like you said, it's hard to see him popping any of those out to put Simon in. It's like Simon does, it, it, sorry, just to sort of qualify that point a bit better. What I mean is Ronan O'Gara was interviewed yesterday or the day before, and um, this is Wednesday uh, during the week, and he said, right, Simon is great in unstructured play, but when you have a situation yeah. where there's a plan, and it's a very tight, comprehensive plan that it just yeah. doesn't work. So he says, unless Munster loosen their strategy game or loosen their play a small bit to allow yeah. Simon to shine and Ireland, he says, Simon won't, it's not going to work really, basically. He's long yeah. and short of what he said. Which is, yeah, goes back to what I was saying about yeah. Joe, Joe Schmidt and stuff, that he just, he doesn't thrive in a structured environment so um yeah look it'll be interesting to see but it's an interesting bit of business and you know it could end up quite monster on the on the backside but sure we'll see what happens and uh to say he's um he certainly helps bring the crowd in so yeah it'll be good for that if nothing else Absolutely. Um, so that was Simon coming back to Munster. And then we had a plethora, the best way to announce it, of new contracts. So Dave Carney is re-signed, Ross Maloney, James Tracy, Tom Clarkson has been promoted to a senior contract. Lovely stuff. Uh, and then you have Jack Conan's re-signed, your man Scott Penny, Hugo Keenan, and uh, David Hawkshaw has got a senior contract as well. Uh, Luke McGrath has re-signed. Shawnee Cronin, a bit surprised about, has uh, got another contract. Um, and Scott Fardy is to retire. Um, and what I mean about Sean Cronin, I'm a huge fan of Nugget. I think he's a great player and everything. I thought he was going to retire. I just had it in my head. I, that, I don't know, I, I felt that he was being fallen out of favour a bit with Leinster management and everything, and I thought this might be the time to go. But he's a great player, plenty to bring to the team as well. And um, What's your overall feeling on those um, appointments in general? Um, yeah, look, I suppose the standout one for me would be Dave Hawkshaw. I think he has absolutely massive potential. Yeah. Um, he can play pretty much anywhere across the back line or certainly out half or centre, inside or outside. Um, so it'll be, I'd be quite interested to see where Leinster actually see him. They've, he obviously was really unlucky with injury. He was kind of almost out for a year and he came back for the last couple of uh, games there after Christmas, uh, pretty much um, in the Pro 14, but um, was outrageously good and has, I think, huge, huge ability. So really excited to see him stepping up and maybe getting a bit more game time. And maybe he's part of the uh, 10 solution uh, going forward with Johnny. I know you've got the two burns there now as well. So, but, um, and, and obviously Frawley. So it's, yeah, there's a lot going on there, but it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But certainly, yeah, the whole piece around the hookers. I mean, my two... First two choice hookers would be Kelleher and Dan Sheehan. And they've redone, re-signed Tracy and uh, Cronin. So they clearly need four hookers. 
but it'd be really interesting to see where Tracy and Cronin sit in the hierarchy now, given that I know Dan captained, Dan Sheehan captained the A-team the other day. So, you know, they obviously is looking at him as a, as a potential leader as well. So, uh, yeah, really interesting to see both Cronin and Tracy get rehired, as it were. So, yeah, interesting bit of business there for sure. Yeah, Dan Sheehan is some uh, operator. Very, very exciting prospect coming through um, yeah. as well. He's had a taste of it this season. I think he's had eight. I could have read this wrong, eight or nine appearances. But um, Oh, every yeah. bit of it. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I mean, I'd be, I'd be a little pissed myself, to be quite honest, if if I was him and the two of them were, were re-signed. Um, but look, it's his job to wangle his way into that number one or number two slot. So uh, they're certainly putting up trees. <laughs> exactly. No better man, let me tell you. Yeah, and we've like there's a bit of an issue with hookers in Leinster in the sense that we, when it comes to consistency of darts, I know it's a small thing and it's the hooker's job, but there's been like um, James yeah. Tracy used to be pretty accurate with his darts, and that fell by the wayside. Sean Cronin became brutal. Um, yeah. To be fair about it for a while, he, his presence around the pitch, his ball carry and everything was where he sort of made up for that. Um, yeah. But the straightest tour um, I've seen in a while and most accurate would be probably Dan. Um, yeah. You know, consistent. The darts are excellent. Yeah. yeah darts are really excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, it's um, a funny thing, isn't it? For <laughs> Yeah, strange. But you're a greater minds than ours. Uh, sorry, Stephen. <laughs> Uh, best hooker I've ever seen, Jerry Flannery. Um, for darts, anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Scott Fardy's to retire. He's 37. That's not a huge surprise. Great servant. He's a Heineken Cup medal in his back pocket. Four Pro 14s and a possible second Heineken Cup. We won't count our chickens yet. Um, he's going to head back to Australia. So Ryan Baird, as if he wasn't promoted already, um, just he gets right... You know, his prominence now, he's pushed right to the front. Um, and yeah. sure, that's well-deserved at the same time as well, Chris. There's no surprise yes. there, I suppose. No, no, absolutely. But, yeah, his involvement will be very, very much at international level as well. So they'll need a couple of... It'll be interesting to see what they do, actually, because they've probably one or two uh, young second rows like Jack Dunn and that sort of stuff. You'd kind of hope that they'll get a bit more game time because... You know, with Fardy and Baird and obviously Toner and Maloney. Um, Jack, who's a great bit of stuff, hasn't really been getting a lot of ball time. So, yeah, a great opportunity for him. But, um, yeah, delighted. I mean, Fardy has been an absolutely fantastic signing, a real pro, a brilliant leader of men. And, yeah, wish him all the best in his retirement. Absolutely. Um, uh, we'll talk about the Lions coaches in a second, but uh, Leinster, just while we're talking Leinster, um, they submitted plans during the week, um, the first sporting organisation, I think, in the country to do it, to submit uh, plans um, to assess the use of rapid antigen testing um, to basically get fans into the RDS. So they're going to use a test game, get about 2,000 fans back in. Obviously, the season ticket holders or previous season ticket holders will get um, priority there. Um, but it's cool. If you look, Basically, long and short of it, Chris, is you, you get nominated to go to a match. You go up, you get your antigen test, you have to wait half an hour, you pass, you go in and you watch the match. Job done. Happy days. Um, that's it. Um, Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I mean, the antigen testing is definitely, I actually am a bit surprised that it hasn't 
been part of a bigger part of the whole COVID management piece, to be quite honest. But um, yeah. I've test kits here in my kitchen. We we do them on the lads when they're coming up and down from Dublin and stuff. So um, yeah, look, and it's been brilliant. So a real handy tool. So yeah, look, I think it makes total sense. And yeah. uh, I know in the UK they're looking at um, using them in workplaces and stuff like that. So I think certainly over the next few months there's going to become a bigger part of our lives. So, yeah, fair play to Leinster, uh, showing a bit of uh, ingenuity there. So bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. And just to wrap up then, Chris, the Lions coaches. Um, so Andy Farrell isn't interested this time around. He's had a few uh, goals on that merry-go-round um, with the Lions. So you have Rob McBride, one of the Leinster coaches at the moment, Warren Gatlin, the course, Gregor Townsend, Steve Tandy and Neil Jenkins. Uh for that South Africa tour. I don't know about you, um, does this not about the coaching ticket or anything, just the whole sheen of the lines and COVID and all the question marks and all, it's sort of really taken away from the whole thing this year, hasn't it? Just that the crack has gone out of it because it's COVID and everything. That's my own opinion on it. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've heard somebody interview there during the week and they were saying that it's not a Lions tour you're pretending it's a Lions tour because the Lions is so much about the fan base and the travelling support and everything that goes on around that and the kind of add-ons to the tour and the whole atmosphere in the stadium. And we actually, as a family, went to South Africa the last time and, oh my God, it was an amazing experience. But, and we were kind of heavily involved with a friend of mine, Johnny Fian, was chief executive of of the Lions at the time. So we kind of had insights, inside exposure to everything. And it was an amazing experience. But I think to do a Lions tour in an empty stadium will definitely take away from the overall experience. There's no question about that. But at the same time, it is an opportunity for the players to become a Lion. And that is, as a player, is massive. Yeah. So uh, to say they don't really care that there isn't fans there, of course they will. Yeah. But to become a lion as a player, even in this environment, will be massive to every single one of them that gets selected. So I'm glad it's going ahead from that perspective because yeah. I just I think it would be incredibly sad for lads who would never who will never get the opportunity again. Um given that it won't be ideal circumstances. But you know what? It's, it's an opportunity to pull on that famous red jersey. And I wouldn't, if I could avoid it, take that away from anybody. So, yeah, best of luck to anybody who makes it. Absolutely. You just have to think of the likes of Hugo Keenan, for example. Um, you know, he's had yeah. such savage year with country club and everything else if he's offered a Lions jersey if he's a bolter or whatever it is um, he won't care <laughs> there's no one there yeah absolutely that, that's the yeah. point isn't no, it no. that's exactly it yeah that is the point yeah so I would be a fan of it I do think the um, coaching ticket's probably a little bit light yeah but yeah. Um, I know obviously Farrell's committed to Ireland I kind of was reading between the lines there that um, if you pardon the pun, if you pardon the pun, exactly. Reading between the lines, that the lion reading between the lions that um, Paul O'Connell may yet become involved, and um, he kind of left a gap there to say that 
maybe lads will come in during during the tour or as part of the tour, which obviously depends. There's talk of Ireland going on a um, tour to Fiji and stuff. So his obviously his first commitment is to that, but then it depends on dates and stuff. And if Ireland are home, well then Paulie might fly in for the last two tests or something like that. So I don't know, but yes, I certainly got the impression from the way Gatlin was talking that he wouldn't be averse to a couple of guys joining the team as they went along, particularly somebody like Paulie, who is literally a legendary lion and would um, absolutely add something to the party, given that he's a, he's a test winner in, um, in South Africa himself. So, yeah, and, and one of the things, like you said, one of the indicators that he might become a Lions coach is he was asked who he thinks is going to captain the Lions this year and he gave his opinions oh, on it. Yeah, so Owen Farrell, I think he was mentioning. Um, yeah, which is a slightly strange choice given yeah. that 12 jerseys already being filled by an Irishman, so I'm not quite <laughs> sure where he's going to play. So you're going to play him at 10. He hasn't been playing particularly well. Nope. There's been nothing about him this season that you would say has caught the eye. Even his place kicking has been a bit hit and miss. So um, it'd be a strange call. But then you have the other angle that um, obviously Jones would, as a second row, possibly would be blocking somebody if he was the Tour Lion, Lions Tour captain. So I don't know. It's it, yeah, it's a tough call to be fair. Yeah, but um, I think you're kind of making a stick to beat yourself with if you pick Farrell um, well if he travels as a 12 or a 10 um, he may or may not get in the side you know but yeah yeah, interesting to see but then he could be a tour captain who doesn't play every week so I don't know it's been a while since we've had one yep a busy week Chris thanks a million for talking rugby with us no problem at all That was former Leinster captain Chris Pym. I'm Stephen Byrne and that's it from the Knock on Rugby podcast on scoreline.ie. Don't forget to visit scoreline.ie for more on rugby and of course if you're into your GAA we've got the Clash Act, we've got all things MMA and lots more. Talk to you soon.